On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to call an audible. We're going to talk about some comments that were posted on our Facebook page after our program last week. Yeah, we got a lot of comments. Let me get my bike over here. We got a lot of comments on our Facebook page, and a lot of people agreed with our conclusions about baptism, but we had a number of people who disagreed, and we thought we would just deal with that. We're not object. We're not adverse to dealing with disagreements, and so we'll do that. No, let's, let's look at what the, the the arguments against what we had said are, and let's compare them with the scriptures, and let's see what do the scriptures teach. Not what we teach, what not do what our Facebook commenters teach. What do the scriptures teach? Exactly. That's what we're after tonight, and that's what we're going to do. And we're going to get started on that important discussion right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July sixteenth, two 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program time. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you. Running a little late here trying to get everything yeah, right. lined up. Technically Compu- challenged. Computers are, are uh, very uncooperative tonight, but we're, we're I think we're just about there. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle's computer's working good tonight, and he's got us going out loud and clear. Kyle, yeah, thanks for being here tonight. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here. And if you're joining us in the chat room tonight in the live video feed, uh, sign in with other listeners there. Lots of folks are signing in. Lots of lots of things are moving around there in the chat room already. We Kevin's in the chat room. Hadn't been there for a while. Uh, he's uh, up in Ohio tonight. Kevin, glad that you're here. Um, and Brian, who's normally in California, is in Tennessee tonight. A long yeah. way from home. Yeah. long great, way great, from home. Great to have uh, him with his family. Uh, they were actually visiting at services last night, yeah. so glad to have them. Yeah, so Kevin can almost hear us if he just sticks his ear out the window. He doesn't have to have the Internet tonight. <laughs> um, glad that you're listening tonight. Uh, we want to hear from you on this important discussion at 877-381-4567. Uh, if you haven't gotten a bumper sticker, and I saw that on Brian's. That's how I knew Brian was here when I got to uh, to the church building last night. The parking lot, I saw a van, and I'd seen a picture of it. It's got a virtual Bible study bumper sticker on the back of it. Yeah. I thought, well, there's Brian's van. He's here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, if, if you haven't gotten a bumper sticker yet, you send an email to questions at collegeview.com with your snail mail address. And we'll get you one of those in the mail free of charge. Kyle, you've got some pictures over there, actually, of Brian's van. And you've got a picture of uh, down in Georgia. They've got one. Uh, if you, why don't you pull those up while we're getting going here. Uh, show folks some, some creative uh, uses of those bumper stickers. Um, but uh, if you haven't gotten one, send us an email. Are your, uh, are your computer problems resolved over there? No. Oh, I'm well. still working on it. Okay. Let's get going. So though. we uh, last week. Hey, listen, listen, before we do that. We passed up an anniversary observance last week. What was it last week? We started year 16 of the virtual Bible study. Uh, so we have completed 15 full years and we're ready, we're into our 16th year of the virtual Bible We've study. We've missed a few, um, programs, but I wonder how many that is. Now, I, we haven't missed more than a handful, uh, in, in 15 full years of the virtual Bible study. So, uh, uh, we're going to, Try to keep up the trend. Yeah, I wonder. That's that's got to be like uh, we're getting probably close to five thousand. Uh, uh, see, three. If it was just three fifty times fifteen, that'd be forty five hundred plus another six. Uh, yeah, that about, about five thousand. Yeah, that'd be about five thousand at least. Wow, five thousand programs. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, if if you you might in the chat room tell us how long you've been listening. Uh, that'd be interesting here. Okay, so last week we talked about uh, baptism. Is it necessary for salvation or is it not? That is a hot button topic. Yeah, and it it's a little surprising that it's a hot button topic because as we read the scriptures, it's pretty clear uh, as to what God requires. I think it's a hot button topic because it doesn't align with a lot of uh, doctrinal denominational doctrinal positions. It, it causes some conflict. Uh, and some tension between certain doctrines that certain denominations teach that aren't found in the scriptures 
and when you start to take a position that isn't founded in the scriptures, then that's going to cause you problems with other things. Yeah. And I think we're seeing some of that with these comments tonight, that some people are taking positions that can't be based upon the scriptures. And when you do that, if you're going to be consistent, then you've got problems with other teachings that are in the scriptures, one of those being baptism. Yeah. And so I think we're seeing that tonight. We'll see that as we go along. And and I have made this comment before, but I'm concerned that there's just a, a failure to... Uh, hang on just a minute. Still working on my computers. I think there's just a failure to be able to reason, you know, this is true and this is true, therefore this must be true. It's just sort of a logical progression. And and for some reason, especially in religion, it seems like people are unwilling to engage in an exercise of logic. What does what does logic and reasoning demand? And so, you know, we really try to stress that. You know, we're not here talking about how we feel or what our emotions dictate to us. We're trying to say, what does the Bible say? And and you got to you got to be analytical. And I think some people think if you're analytical, being analytical about scriptures precludes being emotional about your commitment to God, and that's just not true. Uh, we think they got to go together. That's exactly right. Uh, but the, the scriptures must harmonize. And so any position that I take, and while I may think it's well-founded in the scriptures, but is, if I, so I take this position, and then I'm studying along, and I see something else that contradicts that position I thought the scriptures taught, but it contradicts it, and, and, and you've got to do all kinds of finagling to make them make it work then chances are one of those two positions that you're holding is not right because the Bible harmonizes, and it harmonizes perfectly, and you don't have to do a lot of bending and twisting to make that happen. And so if I come across a doctrine that I believe is in the Scriptures, but it contradicts something else, then something needs to change. Yeah, and, and, and if I've got to do if I've got to do what is pretty obviously an unreasonable leap to get from one view that I hold to another view that I, in other words, if they, if they can't harmonize and I've got to do some real gymnastics, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to trying to explain them probably is an indication I need to think carefully about my position. Exactly right. I, I, I listened to someone today on this subject explaining it and you could tell that it wasn't working out the way that it should, in his mind, he had to do some some twisting and even admitted that maybe it was a little bit shaky yeah. just to, to, to hold on to some other doctrines that weren't taught in the Scripture. So we'll talk about that tonight. Okay. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Kevin says, it is interesting to me that the same data and information allows people to reach alternative conclusions. What does that tell us about the data or the process? I'm a computer programmer by trade, so... I know the answer is found in either bad data or bad process. Well, if you say it's bad data, Kevin, that implies the person who gave us the data or the, the being that gave us the data. That's God. So it's got to be the process. I'm sure Kevin agrees with that, uh, that the Bible is an error, and it's those who are interpreting. Well, he just he finally added on. He said, therefore, since the data uh, is God's word, uh, is not faulty, then it must be the process he alludes to. Appreciate that, Kevin. Um, Lou's in Minnesota. He says, I belong to the L- Lutheran uh, Church. Uh, Missouri Synod, Minnes- I think. Missouri Synod, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have very different views than the Church of Christ when it comes to many topics. Both denominations claim to follow the Word of God, but that doesn't mean I hold any ill will against Jacob or Greg. Quite the opposite. We're all learning together, iron sharpening iron. Well, that's true. Good, good. thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank yeah, you, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this is not a this is not a fight. This is about everyone that hopefully everyone that's here listening and everyone that's in this room tonight is about what do the scriptures teach? That's all we care about. Yeah, but there is a point here, and I think Lou ha- ha- will have to acknowledge this, and we all have to acknowledge this on a question like this: Is baptism necessary or is it not? That's the, that's an either or. That's a yes yeah. or no. That's yeah. an on or off. That's that's a binary question. You know, there's not. There's not middle ground on that. Either baptism is necessary for salvation or it is not necessary for salvation. There's really no place to be in the middle on that question. That's right. And now there is no place to be in the middle, but the answer to the question does matter. This is not one of those questions. For instance, my wife and I were having a discussion today about what's better, strawberry pie or peach pie. There's an answer, in my opinion, about which one's right, but it doesn't matter. 
I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't change but, but, anything. But that's subjective. It's subjective. That's subjective. What we're talking about is the objective truth of God's word. And this one matters. So, yeah. so uh, if we could, that, well, maybe we'll pick something more objective. Two plus two equals four, and, and you think it's five. Well, that doesn't really matter too much necessarily. The answer to this question matters. Yeah. And we need to be, so we can't just say, well, we disagree. We need to agree on what the scriptures teach because it has eternal consequences. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, so what we thought we would do, uh, and, and we really appreciate everybody who takes the time to make comments. And, and as I said before, Jacob, I hope everybody who uh, has been, been in our audience any time during the last 15 years realizes that we, we are not put off by people who disagree with us. I mean, we're open to that. In fact, we invite that. And how many times, hundreds of times over the years, we've said, if you disagree, let us know. If you'd like to come on the program and discuss this with us, uh, you can phone in. We can arrange an interview on the phone. Or, or you, you, we've had people come and in studio right with us. And, uh, and, and, and almost unanimously, people leave saying it was it was beneficial. Yeah, and we're not we're not. It's not a fight. It's, it's not an argument. Yeah, we don't want to win anything. Yeah, your 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 friend of mine, Pat, uh, in Alabama, says, you know, when you go to a Bible study and you come back home, your wife doesn't ask who won the Bible study. It's not a win lose thing. If the Bible is studied uh, and studied objectively, Everybody it's a win win. Everybody wins. All right. So. All right, these so comments. I, now, yeah. some of them didn't make a lot of sense, but uh, yeah, we'll try to we'll try to make sense of them. Uh, and I think there's I got I picked out eight. There were more, but I picked out the eight that I thought were at least pertinent for discussion purposes. And I'm not going to read them all. There's uh, we'll just we'll just look at them one at a time. So the first one was this: uh, is our, our question is is baptism necessary or not? And this person said necessary, no. It is a work, and works do not get you into heaven. Only accepting Jesus does. That is, only accepting Jesus gets you into heaven. But concerning baptism, but, the person goes on to say, it's a good thing to do. It's an outward sign of your commitment to God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. So the answer is basically no, it's a work, and and, and works don't get you into heaven. The only thing that gets you into heaven uh, is accepting Jesus. It's an outward sign of your commitment to God. Uh, now, I think that's probably a, a pretty common view of a lot of people. Um, so we, uh, I, I, the reason I think this is an important one to discuss is uh, because they've labeled it as a work. And we got to address that, you know. Our, when, we are, when we teach baptism, when we ourselves are baptized, when we teach other people that they should be baptized, when we assist them in being baptized, are we saying you're doing this? So that there, so that you will earn your salvation, so that you will merit your salvation, so that you can, in judgment day, go up to the judgment bar and say to the Lord, "Okay, now you've got no choice, Lord. You're going to have to let me in. I'm here to collect my dues. I'm here to collect my paycheck. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here because I earned salvation. Throw the throw the pearly gates open because I'm coming on in. Yeah. Nobody's saying that. Yeah. Nobody's saying that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and so it is somewhat of a straw man to say, well, well, it's a work and we're not saved by works, so it can't be necessary. Nobody's saying that it's a work that yeah. is going to earn your salvation. Yeah. Now, let's look at a couple, I think, really pertinent passages. One is Ephesians 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, beginning, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're... so. We're going to talk a little bit more about grace in a minute, but by grace are you saved through faith. We believe that. We believe that absolutely. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We agree. It's not in us. It's not in what we, it's not of works, but notice he identifies the kind of works that he's talking about. It's not of works lest any man should boast. In other words, it's not of works the kind of works he has under consideration are the kind of works that you could boast about, the kind of works that you could brag about. Look at me. Look what I've done. It's not that kind of work. We're not saved by that kind of work because there's no, there, there's no work or combination of works wherein you could brag and say, I have saved myself. I have earned my salvation. 
And so when when we when we say that there are works necessary, we're not saying that they are works that earn salvation, but they are works of obedience, works of compliance with God's will. James chapter 2 verse 24, you see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. So it's not a work of merit, but it's a work of compliance. Uh, uh, in that same text in James chapter 2, James holds up Abraham as an example. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Abraham obeyed. There wasn't anything in offering Isaac that was meritorious, but it was a, work, a necessary work of obedience, and that's the kind of works that uh, that we need to do. Again, we're talking about harmonizing the scriptures. So if I just had Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 in my Bible, and I read them, I might come to the conclusion, well, all I need to do is believe. So I, I begin to hold that doctrine. But as I read on in my Bible, I come to passages like you mentioned in James chapter 2, that start to show a different picture. And so maybe I need to step back and say, wait a minute, maybe I misinterpreted well, this. Well, Ephesians 2 and James 2 are not contradictory. No, they have to so work together. So we've got to get them together. Or I might come to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so I see here that obedience is required. And so... What you're saying then is maybe I need to go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and say, well, that works, that it's mentioned there. It can't just be any kind of responsive obedience. Any activity whatsoever. Any response that I would have in obedience, that can't be. I can't be condemning that because Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to those who obey him. So it has to be some other kind of works. And you mentioned there from the context that that it shows us what time it is. Lest any man should boast. So look at Ephesians 2 verse 9 very carefully, and it tells you the kind of works that are excluded. They are works the kind of which you could brag about. There's, there's nothing to brag about if you've been baptized. Uh, so, so again, we got to, we got to deal with that works question because, as you said, Jacob, we've got to harmonize the scripture. But there's actually kind of an interesting point here in John chapter six. In John chapter six, verse twenty-eight, then said they unto Jesus, "What shall we do that we might work the works of God?" And Jesus answered and said to them, "This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent." Jesus said that belief itself was a work. So if we're going to exclude works totally, then you're going to have to also throw faith out, faith or belief, because Jesus said that is in the category of work. I think he's using belief there in the comprehensive sense of belief and everything that it that it would would lead one to do. Kent responded to the, the claim tonight that was made by our listener. He says, baptism is not a work of human merit. We did not invent the idea of baptism for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. We're not affirming that we earn salvation by human works, Ephesians 2.8.9. New Testament baptism is an example of a working faith. While works of human merit do not produce salvation, working the works of God do indeed save individuals. If no type of works are involved in salvation, then faith would not save anyone due to the fact that faith is a work, a work of obedience. You mentioned John... Uh, chapter 6, verses 27 through 29. I think you're right, Kent. Thank, Thank you. you for that, Kent. And then Jim is up in Kentucky. He says, nowhere is baptism des- described as a work. It is something, if something is of God, then it is not a work. Jesus asked about the baptism of John. Was it of heaven or of man? The religious leaders knew it was of God, which they ref- refused to answer. Matthew 21, 24 through 27. If, a, if it comes to, from God, it is not a work, but a requirement. Jesus preached baptism as a requirement of being saved, Mark 16, 16. If baptism is a work, then so is hearing, believing, confessing, and repenting. For all are required as well as baptism with regards to one's being, one being saved. I know I've made this point multiple times on the virtual Bible study through, through 15 full years of programming. I keep going back to that. So, yeah. you know, this, this is not something that we've never considered before. We've talked about this multiple times, many times. But if you're talking about work, so so they say, well, belief is just something you do mentally. Repentance, really, in many many senses, is just something you do mentally. Although I think repentance could involve physical activity. If I stole your car, if I'm going to repent of that, I got to bring the car back to you. There would be some physical activity connected with with some kind, some parts of repentance. But concentrate on confession. Confession actually is a physical act. Romans 10, verse 10 says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Yep. So if, if I'm going to take the position that you have to confess, you, you have to 
really the only the only part of this plan that people have a problem with is baptism. They agree you have to hear the truth, you have to believe the truth, you have to repent of your sins, you have to confess your faith. I think almost everybody's in agreement about those necessary things. It's just the baptism part because they say it's a work. But think about confession. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you confess unto salvation. It's necessary to be saved. But if you think about that, in order to form the words and to audibly express my faith, that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I actually expended energy to do that. It, I had to do something. I had to expel air out of my lungs and form the words. Yeah. It's not a lot of work, but there's some work involved in that. And it, so if, if, if we're going to exclude baptism because it's a work, you, it, to be consistent, you're going to have to say confession is also a work, and it's not necessary either. But I don't know anybody who makes that objection. Or how about the uh, the idea of repentance? Jesus said in Luke 13:3, "Unless you repent, you shall likewise perish." There's a lot of work involved in repentance. It's a, well, it's not an easy. It's not like falling off a log. I've got to work at that. No, idea but someone could say, well, "Yeah, but it's still just something you do in your mind." But but as I was saying earlier, I don't think there's some some aspects of repentance that might actually. Uh, require physical effort if i if i tore down your fence in anger and i wanted to repent of it i might have to go out there and build that fence back yeah 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 so so repentance could also involve physical exertion yeah work but you're not earning your salvation but uh, yeah but for some reason the the argument is that when we baptize we're trying to earn our salvation and, and and we just disagree with that conclusion we're way over time let's get a break and when we get back Someone would say uh, number two on your list tonight. Number two on the list was baptism is an outward acknowledgement of your salvation, that you're not ashamed. So let's talk about that. All right, we'll get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you sure that the Bible said something, but you just don't know where? Is your salvation based on a passage that you know is in the Bible, but when asked, you couldn't find it? Do you do things in worship, but you couldn't turn to a book, chapter, and verse to show that God wants you to do it? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to overcoming Bible Deficit Disorder in the metro area by teaching the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. You are invited to attend our worship services on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Join us in the fight against Bible deficit disorder. Attend one of our services for a healthy dose of the Bible. That's at the College View Church of Christ. Please don't give in to Bible deficit disorder. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Famous last words. I'll get right with God later. You can fool yourself. You can fool others. You can never fool God. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. Remind, uh, as we talk about baptism, and uh, we look at our listeners' responses, uh, we do have to make one correction. We said at the beginning of the program that this is the start of 15 years. And then, no, this is the start of 60. We've well, concluded 16 15. And then we were trying to do the math on the fly, and it's, our math's not what it used to be. We said 5,000 programs. I thought that sounded I thought, like excessive. I, I know I've been in this seat a lot, but not that much. Uh, about 780 programs. Yeah, getting close to 800 programs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, and then I, I got to thinking, how many times have we talked about baptism in the last 15 years? You know that number? Oh, I don't know. Would you take a guess? How many, Kyle? What's your guess? How many times have we talked about baptism? I mean, I'd say uh, at least twenty-five. Yeah, four hundred fifteen to twenty. Nineteen. Yeah. Not 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 including tonight. So yeah, yeah about once a year. Yeah. And then Kyle, you were putting up those bumper stickers there. Pull those up there again. You got the one uh, that 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 California license plate with uh, the virtual Bible study over the top of it there. 
And then, um, and then there, there, there uh, well, I've probably got a delay going. I see, I see the one on Brian's car, and then I see the one on Angela's car in Florida. Yeah, she put a, on on her driver, just under her driver's wind, side window, she put one of the narrow little bumper stickers, so that when she pulls through a drive-through, the people see it. Oh, look at that! Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Again, those bumper stickers are available. If you just send us any a snail mail address, we'll get them to you in the mail. Uh, Kevin said, let's recognize that baptism is the only aspect of my salvation that I cannot do by myself. I must submit to someone else to do the baptizing. Therefore, if it's not a work, I, therefore it is not a work I can do at all. Right. That's yeah, a matter of submission. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point, Kevin. I can't do it. It's like, uh, I, I have to, uh, I have to submit to someone else performing this act on, uh, and I'm the candidate, but I'm not the one. I can't baptize myself. Interesting point. Um, one other thing about that first question. We've got to hurry on. We're not going to get done here, Jacob. But uh, it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. You know, uh, well, you know, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is sin. So if it's a good thing to do, why would I argue that? Why would I argue against it? But I, I don't think this person would. This, this person who made this comment probably has been baptized just because it's a good thing to do, uh, but that's not reason enough. Okay. I guess it is reason enough, but I mean, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, number two. Okay, so number two, baptism is an outward acknowledgement of your salvation that you're not ashamed to. So what about that this is an outward acknowledgement? But notice, an outward acknowledgement of your salvation, the point being you're saved already. You're baptized to acknowledge that you have been saved already and that gets the that gets the the whole order out of whack mark 16 16 he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved so you believe and you're baptized in order to get saved but this person and others who believe that baptism comes after salvation will say you believe and you're saved and you should be baptized you, you i mean it's very simply got the order wrong in mark 16 16 yeah uh, and it, it, it has the order wrong when you look at Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, so you you got to repent and be baptized in order to have your f- sins forgiven. What if, what if I've used plenty of illustrations like this. What if a car dealership, Kyle, what, here, here in Columbia, a car dealership says, come to the dealership tomorrow and sing Rocky Top, and you will be given a new car. What would you understand you had to do? It would probably hurt, but I'd have to do it. <laughs> You'd have to say it would hurt you. What about us? <laughs> so you would understand there are two requirements. Come, be present at the dealership, and sing Rocky Top to... Nobody receive. would try and finagle that. And no. say, oh, you, know, you said if I didn't come, I wouldn't... You know, no, you'd do both of them because you'd want the car. You wouldn't, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't mess around with it. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a I'm, I'm using that to parallel illustrate Acts two thirty eight. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Again, we're not just picking one or two verses and taking them out of context. Oh, that's Mark sixteen sixteen. And, and we're not we're not just taking a couple of verses and trying. We're trying to harmonize the scriptures. And when I take that view, then I can harmonize what Paul was told to do in Acts twenty two sixteen. And now why tarryest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Sins are not washed away until you're baptized. So it all that all, this interpretation harmonizes the the Bible. What we read about about baptism in the New Testament, like we can harmonize all this. We don't have to say, well, I, we can't we can't explain that one because we we got that. No, we can harmonize all these if we take this position that it is required for salvation. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's look real quick at our emailers, and and then we're already halfway through the program, Jacob. Kent says nowhere in the New Testament does the Word of God teach that baptism is an outward acknowledgement of salvation. First Peter three twenty one affirms that baptism is an antitype that saves individuals. The great flood set forth in the book of Genesis is a type of baptism that delivered Noah and his family from the antediluvian diluvian world. Baptism is an antitype of the great flood, as that as a condition of salvation, along with faith, repentance, and one's confession of faith, saves alien sinners in the gospel age. All right. Jim says, baptism is an outward acknowledgment. Question. Sin is that which affects the soul, not the body. The blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. Paul was told to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, Acts twenty-two sixteen. Baptism is for that which is within, not without. Peter wrote that it had nothing to do with the flesh. 
in First Peter 3.21. Again, nowhere in Scripture is one told to be baptized simply as a means of demonstrating to others that you are already saved. I think that's right. Hey, Jim's in the chat room. He just chimed in. He said, so would they say that with regards to Acts 2.38, that you repent and then are saved and then get baptized? Peter said that repent and be baptized are both necessary in order to receive remission of sins. It makes no sense sense to repent if you're only being baptized because of already receiving the remission of sins. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And I think Jim's exactly right there. They go together. They're linked by the conjunction and. If you repent... In order to be saved, then you also are baptized in order to be saved. You, you can't, you can't rewrite the verse. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You can't say repent for the remission of sins and be baptized because you already now have the remission of sins. I mean, that's, that's not what the verse says. You can't rewrite the verse. Yeah, right. Brian in Tennessee tonight. References Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. Washing of water is placed in conjunction with, to the cleansing offered by Christ. Yeah. How can one access the blood which sanctifies without water? That is baptism. I think that's really good, Brian. And and that's a, an important verse to remember, Ephesians five twenty six, Because I have studied with some people in the past who say that in the later writings of the Apostle Paul, he never talked about baptism. Uh, and, and they even reference what they call the prison epistles of Paul. Uh, you know, you've got to get late in the life of Paul. And as you look later in his life, he never mentioned baptism. Well, there, Ephesians 5, verse 26, one of those later epistles, and he clearly mentions baptism. And that also connects us with John chapter 3, verse 5, where Jesus said, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That links to those, those passages that link together. Then we see the water and the Spirit. Uh, we see... Uh, washing of water by the word. We see that the, the spirit is involved in our salvation through the scriptures that are given to us that teach us what we need to do in response to God's uh, sending of his son and the washing of water, in, now, including meaning baptism there. I think you should not be ashamed to be baptized. I mean, our, 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 our uh, responder there said uh, you, you show that you're not ashamed. Well, uh, certainly. But you do that when you confess. You know, Jesus said there would be some in, in Matthew 10. He said there would be some who would be ashamed to confess him, and he'd be ashamed to confess them before the Father. So you confess to show you're not ashamed. And being baptized, I mean, you, you take a bold step when you're baptized. You, you, do, you do show that Thinking you're not ashamed. The Philippian but jailer, that, that he wasn't ashamed to do was, this in the middle of the night. Was, that was a bold move, bold. courageous. Yeah, it could have cost him his life. But... It, the the problem with the statement is that it acknowledges your salvation, which means your salvation is already accomplished before you're baptized, and, and that's not true to the Scripture. All right. When we get back, we've got a quick question here. It's a short one. You're saved by grace, not baptism. Is that true? Let's talk about that. Are we saying we're saved? Oh, wow. Okay. You're saved by grace, not baptism. This week's bullet point will go fast on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. We hear it constantly in the news. Let one political candidate offer a single criticism of his opponent's position and the cry goes up, negative campaigning. It's gotten to the point that no substantive discussion of political differences can be undertaken without someone making this objection. In reality, such discussions are absolutely essential if we're to make a reasonable choice between those running for public office. Obviously, the candidate himself will not discuss his questionable past performance or his unpopular views on critical issues. If his opponent is not allowed to bring up those things, how can we know? How can we make the right choice? Please make the application of this same principle to the work of preaching the gospel. There are some who are constantly fuming about what they call negative preaching. Typically, this means they oppose any teaching that specifies sin in people's lives, anything that says, you're wrong, you need to do better. But think for a moment. If those who teach and preach never deal with such subjects, how will people be informed and motivated to make needed changes in their lives? Can't you see the vital need for negative preaching? Paul's first letter to the Corinthians was a real scorcher. That church was full of problems, and Paul hit every one of them. It wasn't pleasant, but it had to be done. As a result, the people repented. And Paul wrote, quote, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, unquote. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 and 9. 
We need the truth, even if it exposes and rebukes our sins. Let's demand it always. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. This program is brought to you by College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. We're talking about our listeners' comments about our recent program on baptism, and we're comparing what they say with what the Scriptures. Again, we're just... We're not trying to win an argument or prove that we're right. We just want to make sure that what we believe harmonizes with what the entirety of the of the Bible teaches on this subject. Yeah. Um, so the the third comment we wanted to mention just and we'll do this pretty quickly. But the the responder said no. That is, is baptism necessary? No. Okay. There's the answer. There's the answer. There's the yes or no answer. It's not necessary. You're saved by grace, not baptism. So. Now understand this. What the what the person is saying is that these two things are mutually exclusive. That you can't be saved by grace and by baptism. Yeah. Well, the the scriptures say otherwise. Now, first of all, I, I and, and I, I don't know anybody who would disagree with this. We're going to jump quickly in agreement to: Are we saved by grace? Absolutely, yes. Go back to the verse we read earlier, Ephesians 2, verse 8. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We'd be denying the scriptures if we said we are not saved by grace. We are definitely saved by grace. Right. We often define grace as undeserved or unmerited favor. So God looked down on us with favor that we did not deserve. I mean, we're despicable wretched sinners we don't deserve anything what we deserve from god is to be destroyed eternally in right. hell we wouldn't be talking anymore if we yeah. got what we deserve so are we saved by grace absolutely yes uh and, and we wouldn't make it we, we simply could not we, we we'd be lost without hope except the fact that god favored us when we didn't deserve it but First Peter three twenty one says like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us so baptism saves us too. So the, the 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 response was it's either or. You're either saved by grace or you're saved by baptism. No, it's both. You're saved by grace and you're saved by baptism. That's that's, that's not. They're not mutually exclusive. All right, so we're talking about harmonizing the scriptures again. So you got a verse there in First Peter that says that we're saved by baptism. There's a verse in Ephesians that tells us we're saved by grace. How do we harmonize them? Well, Titus chapter 2 harmonizes them for us when it says, For by for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Part of God's grace is giving us the scriptures, giving us instructions. One of those instructions is to be baptized. So it all works together. If you allow the Bible to harmonize itself, it will. You just can't take a verse out and stand on that and make everything else go away. You've got to harmonize them all. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me modify my illustration that I used a minute ago a little bit, Jacob. I'm going to tell this to Kyle. Kyle, come to my house tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and sing Rocky Top on my front porch, and I will give you $1,000. Okay. So what do you got to do? Well, you got to come to my house at a specified time, and you got to sing Rocky Top. Now, if you did that, Kyle, would you have earned a thousand dollars? No. It would still be a gift. It would still be my gracious gift. You didn't deserve yep. it. I just gave it to you. I gave it to you, though you didn't deserve it. But you still had to do the conditional things in order to receive it. And that's what baptism, that's what all acts of obedience are. They're conditional acts of obedience. They're not earning anything. It's still by God's grace. It's not deserved. We didn't earn it. So uh, when you look at it that way, it really fits together nicely. All right. Come on my front porch, Kyle. I'll pay you $1,000 not to sing. Uh, all right. Uh, here's, what, uh, here's what Kent said. Grace is indeed essential to our salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. However, we're not saved by grace alone any more than we are saved by faith alone. If one is saved by grace alone, then that would rule out faith, which imply, would imply the false doctrine of universalism. Baptists and other faith-only advocates contradict themselves when they teach that one is saved uh, by grace alone through faith alone. 
Faith changes one's trust, John 8 to 24. Repentance changes one's mind and or will, Matthew 21, 28 through 31. Confession of faith changes one's allegiance, Romans 10, verse 10. And baptism changes one's state or condition, Acts 2, 38, 1 Peter 3, 21. Thank you for that, Kent. Good. Uh, Jim says, uh, saved by grace, this is true. But baptism is part of that grace. Grace simply means God's gift, which is his son's death, burial, and resurrection, which brings about our salvation. It's God's gift to man. Paul told the Ephesians, for by grace you say through faith, Ephesians 2, verse 9, which means that our only access to that grace is through faith, obeying God's word, Romans ten seventeen. If we're commanded to hear, believe, re- confess, repent, and be baptized, then we cannot truly have access to that grace unless we obey all of God's word, not just the parts we want. Well, thank you, Jim, for those comments. Okay. All right, quickly. All right, let's let's keep moving on down our list here of responses we got on Facebook to the question, is baptism necessary or not? Number four, baptism does not save you. Belief in Jesus Christ, that he rose from the grave and sits at the right hand of the Father, is what saves you. All right, so... Now this is this is uh, I included this one because this is a pretty straightforward expression of salvation by faith only. Mm-hmm. That if you believe in Jesus, you you can be saved. But the scriptures describe people who believed, but would not acknowledge Jesus. Uh, I think especially especially notable among in in the lifetime of Jesus. Of course, this was before his death, burial, and resurrection. But concerning Jesus. In John twelve forty two, it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So what about such a person as that? They believe, but they won't confess because they're afraid of men. What if there was somebody like that today? I mean, uh, after... The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, they believe that that all happened, but they won't confess him for fear. And, you know, I don't want to be a purveyor of doom, but, you know, it could get that way in our world. It's not that way here now, but in some places of the world it is that way even right now, that if you confess faith in Jesus, you're putting yourself way out there on the limb. It could get that way where we live. So I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to I'm not going to confess him because... Man, the authorities could come down on me hard. I could lose my job. They could take my house. They could, they could rip my children away from my family. I mean, I, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to confess Jesus. I believe in him. I believe all the evidence is there, but I'm not going to confess him. Jesus said, Matthew 10:32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny my, before my Father which is in heaven. Um, confession, well, I think everybody would agree that confession is necessary. But if confession is necessary, then it's more than just believing in Jesus. That, 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 that takes away the point, doesn't yeah. it? If you have to confess, which most people would say you do, yeah. then it's obviously more than faith. Yeah. Okay. Cause, and this person said, baptism does not save you. Belief in Jesus is what saves you. Well, we agree that we're saved by faith. But that that faith has to be an obedient faith. That's right. It has to be obedient. We talk, talk about believing in Jesus. How about the demons? In Mark chapter 1, the demon there said, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Does the demon believe that Jesus is the Son he of God? He confessed Absolutely. Yeah. You're not saved. Not saved. James chapter 2. Uh, verse tw- uh, 19 would tell you that, that the demons also believe and they're not saved. So it's obviously more than faith. As you mentioned, if you have to confess, then it's more than faith. Okay. Oh, right. boy, we've got to hurry. Uh, real quick, number five. It doesn't matter oh, how... Wait, 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 wait. We didn't get the comments. Oh, oh okay. Gra- quick. Gra- Baptism gra- does not save, Jim says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. The like figure weren't you baptism also say- now save us. First Peter three twenty one. These two passages which distinctly say that baptism does save. And then Kent said uh, to this question, he said, uh, faith, repentance, uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, number four. We're on number four. He said, both faith and uh, baptism are conditions of salvation. John one twelve teaches that one's faith in Christ gives them the authority to become a child of God. One cannot be authorized to become what one already is. Therefore, the element of faith is essential to salvation, but by itself is not sufficient for such. God, Christ stated, 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. It takes both faith and baptism to bring the desired results of salvation. Yeah, uh, I encourage our listeners to, to carefully consider what Kent said there, and you have to spend a little time in John 1. But John 1, verse 12 says that one's faith in Christ gives them the right to become a child of God. But they're not a child of God yet, and that's the point he's making. In other words, it starts the process, it opens the door, but it's not the concluding act. Yeah, okay. Number five. All right, so number five. It doesn't matter how many times that you are rebaptized. If you don't accept Christ, it doesn't matter. Huh? Uh, I don't know about that rebaptized. I don't know why that would be there, but I would argue uh, just leave that out. I think you are. I think it's a and the. Oh, R-E. it is. That's, yeah, that that is. I, I see what you're saying, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't space. matter how many times you are baptized. If you don't accept Christ, it doesn't matter. Absolutely right. Yeah. No argument there. Yeah. Uh, go to that verse that we've referenced a couple times already tonight, 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure wherein to baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just putting away the filth of the flesh. It's not just taking a physical bath. It's not just about getting your body wet. But when that act is engaged as the answer of a good conscience toward God, and when one recognizes that the power, that which empowers it is the resurrection of Jesus, then it works. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it was just a matter of getting people physically immersed in water, uh, we, we have said before, we'll just get us a big truck, we'll mount a huge tank of water on the back, we'll just get several strong armed men, we'll go up and down the streets of Columbia, Tennessee, and everybody we catch walking down the road, we'll just grab them and dunk them in the tank, and they're saved. And everybody says, that won't do any good. It's not just getting wet, yeah. but it's the answer for good conscience toward God. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So here's what, here's what Jim said. The need to accept Christ. One cannot accept Jesus as Christ without obeying his commands. Those on Pentecost obviously believe the preaching of Peter, that Jesus is the Christ and a true descendant of David who now sits on the throne in heaven. When convinced of that truth, they asked Peter what to do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. We then read... That they gladly received, they that gladly received his word were baptized. Acts two forty one. Those who heard and believed obeyed, being baptized. That is how you accept Jesus by obeying his commands. How do we know that? In the same day, there were added to them about three thousand souls. Acts two forty one. Then we read, uh, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Acts two forty seven. You accept Jesus, and He accepts you, and He only does that when you obey His word. And baptism is part of that obedience. Okay, and Kent says, faith, repentance, and confession of one's faith in Christ are all conditions to be met prior to New Testament baptism. If those conditions are not met prior to baptism, such would be meaningless. As a matter of fact, without faith, repentance, and confession of faith in Christ, one could be baptized so many times that the tadpoles had memorized one's social security number, well, now. and it would not do them any good. Not only is one's faith inclusive of the person of Christ, such is also inclusive of Christ's plan, which is inclusive of baptism for the remission of sins, Romans 6, 17, and 18. You know, uh, we, we need to understand that faith is, is very often used in the comprehensive sense, not only just the, the acknowledgement, the mental acknowledgement, but also what that leads one to do. And again, we're talking about harmonizing the Scriptures. So the Scriptures teach that we need to have faith, they also teach that we have to be baptized. We say that those work together in our, in our salvation; that they have to be both present. I, not to get on, not to, to chase a rabbit here, but let's talk just a minute about infant baptism. This idea, this 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 uh, statement made by our listener does, don't matter how many times you are baptized. If you don't accept Christ, it doesn't matter, which we agree to. But that if if faith is required for baptism as adults. Which everyone would agree, I think. Yeah, notice what he said. It wouldn't do any good if you didn't if you didn't accept Jesus. It wouldn't matter how many times that you're baptized. Yeah. Infant baptism. You have to wonder what's. Are, is it any more than just you would you taking that adult and and getting them wet? Why is it different if you take your baby and get them wet without faith? Probably a lot of our listeners have heard the anecdotal story of uh, Raccoon John Smith, who came up on a on a. Uh, camp meeting back in the mid 1800s and there was a a, a a denominational preacher who was sprinkling in an infant and the infant was screaming its head head off in the in the course of the of the ceremony so raccoon john smith who was apparently quite a uh, 
rugged individual. He went up and he grabbed uh, the denominational preacher and led him off to the creek. And the preacher was objecting. What are you doing? What are you doing? He said, I'm going to baptize you. He said, it won't do any good if I don't want you to. And he stopped and, and he said, that's my point. You were baptizing this infant while the infant was strongly objecting. But you said it was effectual for him when, when he didn't want it. Yeah. Uh, yet you say it wouldn't be effectual for you because you don't want it. Kind of a kind of a humorous episode in the life of Raccoon John Smith. But again, if we're going to harmonize the scriptures, we then could conclude, well, baptism for infants wouldn't meet the teachings of the entirety of the scripture. If it just said baptism, I would say, well, yeah, that's that, that could be for anybody. But when I see that I have to have faith associated with that, Kyle, I can't say, well, it's going to work for someone who doesn't believe. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thought for parents who want to sanctify their children. It's not, it's a thought, but thing is, they need to be able to believe. And fully repent. They don't have one. They probably don't have sense to repent of. So they just, they can't go through the steps in the plan of salvation. It's not a, it's not for them. All right. Let's let's skip our break and let's go to the top. Oh, we're gonna skip hour. the break. We gotta skip. We don't we have gotta time. skip the break. Okay. All right. So uh, oh yeah, we only got nine minutes left here. Uh, uh, the next one is a little more detailed, and I I, I, I want to do a little more work on this. Maybe we'll even do a program talking about Holy Spirit baptism. But this person says. What's being discussed is not not water baptism. It's being baptized by the Holy Ghost. This this was in response to someone else who had referenced verses like, in other words, someone put on their someone said yes, baptism is necessary, and they listed Galatians three twenty seven twenty eight, First Peter three twenty one, Mark sixteen sixteen, Acts two thirty eight, Acts twenty two sixteen, Acts two forty two, Romans six verses one through seven. And so this person said, yes, baptism is necessary, and cited all those verses. And so then this other person says, what those verses are talking about is not water baptism, but baptism by the Holy Ghost. So every place that the the person said, here's here's baptism, it shows it's necessary, the, the other person says, no, 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 no. All those verses are talking about Holy Spirit baptism, not water baptism. And uh, so I, I think it's kind of interesting um, to look at those various passages. One that was not mentioned is Acts chapter 8. Yeah. In the case of the Ethiopian eunuch, as they went on their way, verse 36, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? In Acts chapter 10, when Peter was at the house of Cornelius, uh Verse 47, Acts 10, 47, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. So they're actually receiving the Holy Ghost and water baptism are actually distinguished there. So to deny that there's water baptism mentioned in, in, in the scriptures, uh, is, is a kind of a peculiarity. And, and, and one of the texts under consideration was Romans chapter six, uh, and it says there, verse 3, Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So uh, Acts or uh, Romans 6 is definitely a picture. It refers to baptism as a burial. It's definitely a picture of water baptism. Right, and if it's a command to be, the command to be baptized is a command to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? Yeah. How do I how do I say okay, I'm ready to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? How does that work? One of the observations that we need to make about Holy Spirit baptism, when we have more time to discuss it, is that Holy Spirit baptism was a promise. It was never a command. Jesus told his apostles in Acts chapter one. He said. Oh, come on, pages, turn for me. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, being assembled together with his disciples, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait what knows, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Notice, wait for the promise. 
And and the promise was that they would be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost baptism was always a promise, never a command. It was, and it was actually a limited promise. And it was a transient uh, experience because Ephesians chapter four verse five says, "By that time there was no Holy Spirit baptism." It, it, it only lasts. There, the, there's only very rare reference to it. And and by as you say, by the time Ephesians four was written, probably about sixty two A.D. There was only one baptism remaining, which was water baptism, Ephesians 5, that Brian brought up earlier, uh, Ephesians 5.26. We're going to have to skip some of our listeners' comments, but i got to get Jim's here. It says, baptism, that is of the Holy Ghost. Then he references Acts 8.35 and 36. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture to preach Jesus to him, and they went on their way. And they came to certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Then he, he then he tongue-in-cheek says, and then Philip said, my friend, baptism has nothing to do with water. Who gave you that idea? No, it is obvious that the preaching of Jesus, preaching the gospel, included baptism. How otherwise could the eunuch have known that it was necessary? Philip then requested the eunuch confess that he believed Jesus to be the Christ, after which Philip baptized him. Uh, so good observations there. By yeah, and... and, by, and, by, and uh, uh, Kent makes some of the same points we were making. It's a command. It's not. A, it, it's it's a promise, not a command, uh, and was only rarely ever administered to the apostles in the house of Cornelius. Two more questions, uh, real but... quickly. Then, uh, person says, "I'm 58 years old. You cannot tell me something about salvation that I don't already know." That's probably true in his case. And and that doesn't really. Uh, uh, address this subject, but I just had to include that yeah. as I was looking down through all these comments on Facebook. That's the problem. Yeah. If, if I've got my mind sealed up shut, you can't tell him. Anything. You can't tell anybody anything. You know, he's fifty-eight. You can't tell him anything he doesn't already know. I'm older than that, but I've realized that you could correct me on a point, and, I, and hopefully, I have the humility to accept it if it's so. All right. Well, um, yeah, Jim said it doesn't matter if you're fifty-eight or one hundred and fifty-eight. So, yeah, yeah. all right. And then the last one, we can get this one pretty quick, too. Uh, and, and I don't know exactly what this means, and I, we got some different takes on it. But it says the answer was, so remember, the question last week, is baptism necessary or not? This person says, depends. It depends. Well, uh, Kent simply says, depends upon what? Uh, and Jim said, uh, depends. There's no depends, as it's necessary for one to have their sins remitted. So, Kent agrees. It's a, it's a vague comment. Jim says it doesn't depend. It's necessary. So, if you're an accountable person, it doesn't depend. There's no circumstance that it, that precludes the necessity of baptism. You could say it depends on whether you're an accountable person or not. That's the angle Mohan took. Yeah, he said, "For I would ask for clarification. For example, those not under the age of accountability or mentally disabled persons cannot reject or receive the gospel." However, those who are accountable have to obey by being baptized. I heard one Christian church preacher say that if someone has repented but not been baptized, he does not know whether or not they have been saved. Some of the liberal churches of Christ probably would give that same answer. Yeah. So Moad says, well, there are maybe some exceptions where someone doesn't have the mental capacity to understand. But for accountable people, it doesn't depend on anything except you're accepting the necessary requirement of baptism and submitting to it. Jesus, as you said, uh, Hebrews 5, verse 8, Jesus is the author of salvation to all them that obey him. So it's, it's this. we've gone really fast tonight, but if, if the listeners who made the comments are listening tonight or, or want to talk with us further about it, we'd love to have the opportunity. We could we could talk about each one of those questions for a whole hour tonight. Yeah. And and if you if if you want to do that, or if you'd like your preacher to do that, be in contact with us. We'd be glad to set up a. a we can do it in person or a phone interview. We'd be glad to talk more about this. We're not, as we said at the outset, Jacob. We're not. We're not put off when people disagree with something that we've said or a position that we try to teach on the virtual Bible side. We're trying to teach what the Bible says, and I hope people. For 15 plus years now, have realized we we go back to the scripture. We keep reading the Bible. We're not just giving our own opinions here. We're trying to back it up with what the Bible says. And we think this interpretation does allow us to harmonize every passage. Those who yeah. teach faith only get to some real difficult challenges when they get to some of these verses that are so clear on what we need to do to be saved. Not only baptism, but other things, repentance yeah. and confession. Yeah. Confession, and so. We have to harmonize the scriptures. I think this understanding of it harmonizes, allows us to do that. I think you're right. Kyle, any comments from you tonight? 
That's a good study. I think, uh, as with baptism or many things, we need to step back from our own think-sos and our put our pride aside, come with humility. I think we need to don't go with, that's what I've always been says, what I've always been taught. We need to make sure that we look what the Bible says. Exactly. If the Bible says baptism is necessary for salvation, then we can't try to worm our way around this, try to loophole around it. We need to make sure that we're come with humility. So I think it's Kick against, against the pricks like uh, mm-hmm. Saul was doing. Yeah. 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 So we just, it just accept the scriptures for what they teach, uh, and, and, and that certainly is what we need to do. Yep. All right. Any final co- comments, Deb? Uh, I think it's I think it's an important discussion. We hope everybody will carefully think about these Send things. Send us an email if you want to talk further. Yeah. Yeah. Got any disagreements, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, appreciate you for being on the other end of the line tonight. Hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired Word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.